0: Section 18 of the Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary J. The Aeneid by Virgil. Translated by J. W. McHale. Book Ninth: The Siege of the Trojan Camp. Part 2. Meanwhile, an advance guard of cavalry were on their way from the Latin city, while the rest of their marshaled battalions linger on the plains, and bore a reply to King Turnus, three hundred men all under shield, and Volsons leading. And now they approached the camp and drew near the wall, when they descried the two turning away by the pathway to the left, and in the glimmering darkness of night the forgotten helmet betrayed Euryalus, glittering as it met the light. It seemed no thing of chance. Volson's cries aloud from his column, "'Stand, men! Why on the march? Or how are you in arms? Or whither hold you your way?' They offer nothing in reply, but quicken their flight into the forest and throw themselves on the night. On this side and that, the horsemen bar the familiar crossways and encircle every outlet with sentinels. The forest spread wide entangled tangled thickets and dark elix, thick growth of briars choked it all about, and the muffled pathway glimmered in a broken track." Hampered by the shadowy bows and his cumbrous spoil, Euryalus, in his fright, misses the line of way. Nisus gets clear, and now, unthinkingly, he had passed the enemy, and the place afterwards called Albani, from Alba's name. Then the deep coverts were of King Latinus's domain, when he stopped and looked back in vain for his lost friend. Euryalus, unhappy, on what ground have I left thee? Or where shall I follow again, unwinding all the entanglement of the treacherous woodland way? Therewith he marks and retraces his footsteps, and wanders down the silent thickets. He hears the horses, hears the clatter, and signal notes of the pursuers. Nor had he long to wait, when shouts reach his ears, and he sees Euryalus, whom even now, in the perplexity of ground and darkness, the whole squadron have borne down in a sudden rush, and seize, in spite of all his vain struggles. What shall he do? With what force, what arms dare his rescue? Or shall he rush on his doom amid their swords, and find in their wounds a speedy and glorious death? Quickly he draws back his arm with poised spear, and, looking up to the moon on high, utters this prayer. Do thou give present aid to our enterprise, O Latonian goddess, glory of the stars and guardian of the woodlands? By all the gifts my father Herdicus ever bore for my sake to thine altars, by all mine own hand hath added from my hunting, or hung in thy dome, or fixed on thy holy roof, grant me to confound these masses, and guide my javelin through the air. He ended. "'and with all the force of his body hurls the steel. "'The flying spear whistles through the darkness of the night "'and comes full on the shield of Salmo, and there snaps, "'and the broken shaft passes on through his heart. "'Spouting a warm tide from his breast, "'he rolls over, chill and death, "'and his sides throb with long-drawn gasps. "'Hither and thither they gaze round.' lo he all the fiercer was poising another weapon high by his ear while they hesitate the spear went whizzing through both tagus's temples and pierced and stuck fast in the warm brain volsens is mad with rage and nowhere espies the sender of the weapon nor where to direct his fury yet meanwhile thy warm blood shall pay me vengeance for both he cries and unsheathing his sword he made it euryalus then indeed frantic with terror nisa shrieks out no longer could he shroud himself in darkness or endure such agony on me on me i am here i did it on me turn your steel o rutulians mine is all the guilt he dared not no nor could not to this heaven i appeal and the stars that know he only loved his hapless friend too well such words he was uttering but the sword driven hard home is gone clean through his ribs and pierces the white breast Euryalus rolls over in death, and the blood runs over his lovely limbs, and his neck sinks and settles on his shoulder, even as when a lustrous flower cut away by the plough droops in death, or weary-necked poppies bow down their head if overweighted with a random shower. but Nisus rushes amidst them, and alone among them all makes it Volson's keeps to Volson's alone round him the foe cluster, and on this side and that hurl him back, none the less he presses on and whirls his sword like lightning. Till he plunges it full in the face of the shrieking Rutulian and slays his enemy as he dies, then stabbed through and through, he flung himself above his lifeless friend, and there at last found the quiet sleep of death. Happy pair, if my verse is aught of avail, no length of days shall ever blot you from the memory of time while the house of Aeneas shall dwell by the Capitoline's steadfast stone, and the Lord of Rome holds sovereignty. The victorious Rutulians, with their spoils and plunder regained, bore dead Volsons, weeping to the camp. Nor in the camp was the wailing less, when Romnes was found a bloodless corpse, and Seranus and Numa and all their princes destroyed in a single slaughter. Crowds thronged towards the corpses, and the men wounded to death, the ground fresh with warm slaughter, and the swollen runlets of frothing blood. They mutually recognized the spoils, Messippus's shining helmet, and the decorations that cost such sweat to win back. And now dawn. Leaving the saffron bed of Tithonus, scattered over earth her fresh shafts of early light. Now the sunlight streams in, now daylight unveils the world. Turnus himself fully armed, awakes his men to arms, and each leader marshals to battle his brazen lines and whets his ardour with varying rumours. Nay, pitiable sight. They fix on spear-points and uprear and follow with loud shouts the heads of Euryalus and Nisus. The Aeneidae stubbornly face them, lining the left-hand wall, for their right is girdled by the river hold the deep trenches and stand gloomily on the high towers, stirred with awe by the faces they know, alas, too well, in their dark, dripping gore. Meanwhile, rumor on fluttering wings rushes with the news through the alarmed town and glides to the ears of Euryalus's mother, but instantly the warmth leaves her woeful body. The shuttle starts from her hand and the threads unroll. She darts forth in agony, and with woman's wailing and torn hair runs distractedly towards the walls and the foremost columns recking not of men not of peril or weapons thereon she fills the air with her complaint is it thus i behold thee o euryalus couldst thou the latest solace of mine age leave me alone so cruelly nor when sent into such danger was one last word of thee allowed thine unhappy mother alas thou liest in a strange land given for a prey to the dogs and fowls of latium Nor was I, thy mother, there for chief mourner, to lay thee out, or close thine eyes, or wash thy wounds, and cover thee with the garment I hastened on for thee, whole nights and days, an anxious old woman taking comfort from the loom. Whither shall I follow? Or what land now holds thy mangled corpse, thy body torn limb from limb? Is this all of what thou wert that returns to me, O my son? Is it this I have followed by land and sea? Strike me through of your pity." on me cast all your weapons rutulians make me the first sacrifice of your steel or do thou mighty lord of heaven be merciful and with thine own weapon hurl this hateful life to the nether deep since in no wise else may i break away from life's cruelty at this weeping cry their courage falters and a sigh of sorrow passes all along their strength is benumbed and broken for battle her while her grief kindled at Ilionus's and weeping Eolus's bidding ideus and actor catch up and carry home in their arms but the terrible trumpet note afar rang on the shrill brass a shout follows and is echoed from the sky the volscians hasten up in even line under their advancing roof of shields and set to fill up the trenches and tear down the palisades some seek entrance by scaling the walls with ladders where the defender's battle-line is thin and light shows through gaps in the ring of men the tucrians in return shower weapons of every sort and push them down with stiff poles practised by long warfare in their ramparts defence and fiercely hurl heavy stones so be they may break the shielded line while they crowded under their shell lightly bear all the downpour but now they fail for where the vast mass presses close the tucrians roll the huge block tumbling down that makes a wide gap in the rutulians and crashes through their armour plating nor do the bold rutulians care longer to continue the blind fight but strive to clear the rampart with missiles Elsewhere, in dreadful guise, Mezentheus brandishes his Etruscan pine and hurls smoking brands, but Mesipus, tamer of horses, seed of Neptune, tears away the palisading and calls for ladders to the ramparts. Thy sisterhood, O Calliope, I pray inspire me while I sing the destruction spread then and there by Turnus's sword, the deaths dealt from his hand, and whom each warrior sent down to the underworld, and unroll with me the broad borders of war. A tower loomed vast with lofty gangways at a point of vantage this all the italians strove with main strength to storm and set all their might and device to overthrow it the trojans in return defended it with stones and hurled showers of darts through the loopholes turnus leading the attack threw a blazing torch that caught flaming on the side wall Swollen by the wind the flames seized the planking and clung devouring to the standards those within in hurry and confusion desire retreat from their distress in vain while they cluster together and fall back to the side free from the destroyer the tower sinks prone under the sudden weight with a crash that thunders through all the sky pierced by their own weapons and impaled on hard splinters of wood they come half slain to the ground with the vast mass behind them scarcely do helenor alone and lyca struggle out helenor in his early prime whom a slave-woman of Lysimnos bore in secret to the maeonian king and sent to troy in forbidden weapons lightly armed with sheathless sword and white unemblazoned shield and he when he saw himself among turnuses encircling thousands ranks on this side and ranks on this of latins as a wild beast which girt with a crowded ring of hunters dashes at their weapons hurls herself unblinded on death and comes with a bound upon the spears even so he rushes to his death amid the enemy and presses on where he sees their weapons thickest but lycus far fleeter of foot holds by the walls and flight midway among foes and arms and strives to catch the coping in his grasp and reach the hands of his comrades and turnus pursuing and aiming as he ran thus upbraids him in triumph didst thou hope madman thou mightest escape our hands and catches him as he clings and tears him and a great piece of the wall away as when with a hair or snow-bodied swan in his crooked talons, Jove's armor-bearer soars aloft, or the wolf of Mars snatches from the fold some lamb sod of his mother with incessant bleeding. On all sides a shout goes up. They advance and fill the trenches with heaps of earth, some toss glowing brands on the roofs. Ileonis strikes down Lucretius with a great fragment of mountain rock, as, catching fire, he draws nigh the gate. Liger slays Amethion. Azalus Corineus. The one skilled with the javelin, the other with the stealthy arrow from afar. Cineus lays Ortegus. Turnus victorious. Cineus. Turnus, Idas, and Clonius. Diocypus and Promelus and sagaris and Idas, where he stood front of the turret top. Capis him Thamilla's spear had first grazed lightly the madman threw down his shield to carry his hand to the wound so the arrow winged her way and pinning his hand to his left side broke into the lungs with deadly wound the son of arson stood splendid in arms and scarf embroidered with needlework and bright with iberian blue the beautiful boy sent by his father arsons from nurture in the grove of our lady about the streams of Symatheus, where apollicus's altar is rich and gracious laying down his spear mezentius whirled thrice round his head the tightened cord of his whistling sling pierced him full between the temples with molten bullet and stretched him all his length upon the sand then it is said ascanius first aimed his flying shaft in war wont before to frighten beasts of the chase and struck down a brave Numanian, Remulus by name but lately allied and bridled to turnus's younger sister he advancing before his ranks clamoured things fit and unfit to tell and strode along lofty and voluble his heart lifted up with his fresh royalty take you not shame to be again held leaguered in your ramparts o phrygians twice taken and to make walls your fence from death behold them who demand and war our wives for theirs what god what madness hath driven you to italy here are no sons of atreus nor glosing ulysses a race of hardy breed we carry our newborn children to the streams and harden them in the bitter icy water as boys they spend wakeful nights over the chase and tire out the woodland but in manhood unwearied by toil and trained to poverty they subdue the soil with their mattocks or shake towns in war every age wears iron and we goad the flanks of our oxen with reverse spear nor does creeping old age weaken our strength of spirit or abate our force white hairs bear the weight of the helmet and it is ever our delight to drive in fresh spoil and live on our plunder "'Yours is embroidered raiment of saffron and shining sea-purple. "'Indolence is your pleasure, your delight the luxurious dance. "'You wear sleeved tunics and ribbon turbans. "'Oh, right Phrygian women! Not even Phrygian men! "'Traverse the heights of Dindymus, where the double-mouthed flute breathes familiar music. "'The drums call you, and the Barycintian boxwood of the mother of Ida. "'Leave arms to men, and lay down the sword.' "'As he flung forth such words of ill-ominous stain, Ascanius brooked it not.' and aimed an arrow on him from the stretched horse sinew. And as he drew his arms asunder, first stayed to supplicate Jove in lowly vows. Jupiter omnipotent, deign to favor this daring deed. My hand shall bear yearly gifts to thee in thy temple, and bring to stand before thine altars a steer with gilded forehead, snow-white, carrying his head high as his mother's, already pushing with his horn, and making the sand fly up under his feet. The father heard, and from a clear space of sky thundered on the left. At once the faded bow rings, the grim whistling arrow flies from the tenched string, and goes through the head of Remulus, the steel piercing through from temple to temple. Go, mock valor with insolence of speech! Phrygians, twice taken, return this answer to rutulians Thus, and no further, Ascanius. the Tucrians respond in cheers, and shout for joy and rising height of courage. Then haply, in the tract of heaven trust Apollo's sate looking down from his cloud on the Azonian ranks and town, and thus addresses triumphant Aeolus. Good speed to thy young valor, O oh boy. This is the way to heaven, child of gods and parent of gods to be. Rightly shall all wars fated to come sink to peace beneath the line of Asaricus. Nor art thou bounded in a Troy. So speaking, he darts from heaven's height, and cleaving the breezy air seeks Ascanius. Then he changes the fashion of his countenance, and becomes aged booties, armor-bared of the old Dardanian Anchises, and the faithful porter of his threshold. Thereafter his lord gave him for Ascanius his attendant. And all points like the old man Apollo came, voice and color, white hair, and grimly clashing arms, and speaks these words to eager Iulius. Be it enough, son of Aeneas, that the Numanian hath fallen unavenged beneath thine arrows. This first honor, great Apollo, allows thee, nor envies the arms that match his own further o boy let war alone thus apollo began and yet speaking retreated from mortal view vanishing into thin air away out of their eyes the dardanian princes knew the god in the arms of deity and heard the clash of his quiver as he went so they restrain ascanius keenness for battle by the words of phoebus's will themselves they again close in conflict and cast their lives into the perilous breach shouts run all along the battlemented walls ringing bows are drawn and javelin thongs twisted all the ground is strewn with missiles shields and hollow helmets ring to blows the battle swells fierce heavy as the shower lashes the ground that sets in when the kids are rainy in the west thick as hail pours down from the storm clouds on the shallows when the rough lord of the winds congeals his watery deluge and breaks up the hollow vapours in the sky Pendarus and Betius sprung of alcanor of ida whom woodland Iera bore in the grave of jupiter grown now tall as their ancestral pines and hills fling open the gates barred by their captain's order and confident in arms willfully invite the enemy within the walls themselves within they stand to right and left in front of the towers sheathed in iron the plumes flickering over their stately heads even as high in air around the gliding streams whether on pattas's banks or by pleasant Athesus, twin oaks rise lifting their unshorn heads into the sky with high tops a-sway the rutulians pour in when they see the entrance open Straightway, quiersons and aquiculus beautiful in arms and desperate maris and hemen seed of mars either gave back in rout with all their columns or in the very gateway laid down their life then the spirits of the combatants swell in rising wrath and now the trojans gather swarming to the spot and dare to close hand to hand and to sally farther out news is brought to turnus the captain as he rages afar among the routed foe that the enemy surges forth into fresh slaughter and flings wide his gates he breaks off unfinished and fired with immense anger rushes towards the haughty brethren at the dardanian gate and on antipodes first for first he came the bastard son of mighty sarpedon by a theban mother he hurls his javelin and strikes him down the italian cornel flies through the yielding air and piercing the gullet runs deep into his breast a frothing tide pours from the dark yawning wound and the steel grows warm where it pierces the lung then meropes and aramis then a goes down before his hand then bidias fiery-eyed and exultant not with a javelin for not to a javelin had he given his life but the loud whistling pike came hurled with a thunderbolt's force neither twofold bull's hide kept it back nor the trusty corslet's double scales of gold his vast limbs sink in a heap earth utters a groan and the great shield clashes over him even as once and again on the eboic shore of baye falls a mass of stone built up of great blocks and so cast into the sea thus does it tumble prone crashes into the shoal water and sinks deep to rest the seas are stirred and the dark sand eddies up therewith the depth of Perchaida quivers at the sound and the cushioned rocks of Inarime piled above typhius by jove's commands on this, Mars' omnipotent, raised the spirit and strength of the Latins, and goaded their hearts to rage, and sent flight and dark fear among the Teucrians. From all quarters they gather, since battle is freely offered, and the warrior god inspires. Pandarus, at his brother's fall, sees how fortune stands, what hap rules the day, and swinging the gate round on its hinge with all his force, pushes it to with his broad shoulders, leaving many of his own people shut outside the walls in the desperate conflict but shutting others in with him as they pour back and retreat madman who saw not the rutulian prince burst in amid their columns and fairly shut him into town like a monstrous tiger among the silly flocks at once strange light flashed from his eyes and his armor rang terribly the blood-red plumes flicker on his head a lightning shoots sparkling from his shield in sudden dismay the aeneidae know the hated form and giant limbs then tall pandarus leaps forward in burning rage at his brother's death. This is not the palace of Amata's dower, he cries. Nor does Ardia enclose Turnus in her native walls. Thou seest a hostile camp. Escape hence is hopeless. To him Turnus, smiling and cool, begin with all thy valiance, and close hand to hand. Here too shalt thou tell that a Priam found his Achilles. He ended. The other, putting out all his strength, hurls his rough spear, knotty and unpeeled. The breezes caught it. Juno, daughter of Saturn, made the wound glance off as it came, and the spear sticks fast in the gate. "'But this weapon that my strong hand whirls, this thou shalt not escape. For not such is he who sends weapon and wound.' so speaks he and rises high on his uplifted sword the steel severs the forehead midway right between the temples and divides the beardless cheeks with ghastly wound he crashes down earth shakes under the vast weight dying limbs and brain spattered armor tumble in a heap to the ground and the head evenly severed dangles this way and that from either shoulder the trojans scatter in turn in hasty terror and had the conqueror forthwith taken thought to burst the bars and let in his comrades at the gate that had been the last day of the war, and of the nation. But rage and mad thirst of slaughter drive him like fire on the foe. First he catches up Philaris, then Gyges, and hamstrings him. He plucks away their spears, and hurls them on the backs of the flying crowd. Juno lends strength and courage. Halys he sends to join them, and Phegeus, pierced right through the shield. Then, as they ignorantly raise their war-cry on the walls, Alcander and Halius, Noemon and Pritinus lynceus advanced to meet him calling up his comrades from the rampart the glittering sword sweeps to the left and catches him struck off by one downright blow head and helmet lay far away next amicus fell the deadly huntsman incomparable in skill of hand to anoint his arrows and arm their steel with venom and and aeolid and crethius beloved of the muses crethius of the muses company whose delight was ever in songs and harps and stringing of verses ever he sang of steeds and armed men in battles. At last, hearing the slaughter of their men, the Teucrian captains, Nestheus and gallant Serestus, come up and see their comrades in disordered flight, and the foe let in. And Nestheus, Whither next? Whither press you in flight? What other walls, what farther city have you yet? Shall one man and he girt in on all sides, fellow-citizens, by your entrenchments, thus unchecked, deal devastation throughout our city, and send all our best warriors to the underworld? have you no pity no shame cowards for your unhappy country for your ancient gods for great aeneas kindled by such words they take heart and rally in dense array little by little turnus drew away from the flight towards the river and the side encircled by the stream the more bravely the teucrians press on him with loud shouts and thickening masses even as a band that fall on a wrathful lion with levelled weapons but he, frightened back, retires surly and grim, glaring, and neither does wrath nor courage let him turn his back, nor can he make head, for all that he desires it against the surrounding arms and men. Even then, Turnus draws lingeringly backward with unhastened steps, and soul boiling in anger. Nay, twice even then did he charge amid the enemy; twice drove them in flying rout along the walls. But all the force of the camp gathers hastily up nor does juno daughter of saturn dare to supply him strength to countervail for jupiter sent iris down through the airy sky bearing stern orders to his sister that turnus shall withdraw from the high trojan town therefore neither with shield nor hand can he keep his ground so overpoweringly from all sides comes upon him the storm of weapons about the hollows of his temples the helmet rings with incessant clash and the solid brass is riven beneath the stones the horsehair crest is rent away "'the shield-boss avails not under the blows. "'Nestheus thunders on with his Trojans "'and pours in a storm of spears. "'All over him the sweat trickles "'and pours in swart stream, "'and no breathing space is given. "'Sick gasps shake his exhausted limbs. "'Then, at last, with a headlong bound, "'he leapt, fully armed, into the river. "'The river's yellow eddies opened for him as he came, "'and the buoyant water brought him up, "'and, washing away the slaughter, "'returned him triumphant to his comrades.' End of section 18.